0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 210 with our friend, multimedia artist, Peter Clark. Peter comes on the show and shares his time with us. It's a really good episode. It's really cool to have Peter on. Peter's one of those kind of creatives that does a lot of different types of things and his practice and process of making the art that he makes is really interesting. It's a lot of fun. And we talk a little bit about the process and what gets him into kind of falling into these different kinds of procedures and removing yourself from working on the computer so much and kind of using different ways and avenues to find new ways of being creative. We also talk a bit about music and what kind of gets us into these things. We talk a little bit about college time and, you know, just a lot of really cool stuff and things are covered in this episode. I really hope you guys enjoy. This is going to be episode 210 with Peter Clark. Let's begin. So there's a lot of stuff that we we haven't talked for quite some time now. It's been like, I'm trying to think back. My memory is not mm-hmm. super good, but it's been a while.
1: Yeah, it was whenever, uh, I mean, it was super brief, but it was like after that Learn Squared class I did with uh, Wrigley, yeah. and uh, I mean, it was mostly you guys kind of chat and process, and then I nervously chimed in a few times, well, but uh, you know. <laughs> you did great, man. Yeah, because we were appre- <laughs> we
0: were um, apprentices to Michael Wrigley's class on Learn Squared, right? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. A yeah, that was beast uh, of a class. Yeah, that was fun, man. I always remember putting in my like class variations, and I'd see your folder in there, and be like, "Oh, what did Ash make?" And there would be like thirty cinema files in there. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, this guy's going ape shit over here. This is insane. Yeah, yeah. I kind of go. Thousand miles an hour whenever I can. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. hey, it it pushed me to do some more variations So I'm glad we were both like doing the apprentice thing at the same time (laughs) It's good, man I'm glad that you were up for just having fun and
0: learning because yeah, like that whole experience is so it's like it's so humbling to Acknowledge that you don't know things and then to go through the act of like learning from somebody that's better than you obviously and then Acknowledging that through your efforts of learning and then that acknowledgement then comes full circle as like reward that you've actually overcome your weaknesses by being better, which is a lot of fun. So yeah.
1: Oh yeah. that class. Yeah. Was... And that class was a uh, big learning curve for me, man. <laughs> Trying to get into Octane on a, on a Mac that was pretty, uh, oh. rugged.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a, that was like one of those, um, like those mac like high, the, those hack, hack pros or I'm. Oh, uh, what do you call those things? Hackintosh?
1: Uh, Hackintosh. Yeah. No, I, I was like uh I was on um like my Mac has one of those NVIDIA cards. It was like one of those years they put NVIDIA instead of That's right. AMD in it. Um but it was definitely I mean the thing was like crashing like black screen like would shut down the whole machine on a render. So uh <laughs> you know now I got a PC and life is a lot better for octane so uh, yeah (laughs) yeah but that class was like a a struggle just machine wise but uh yeah i learned so much and i used that folder structure on everything game over yeah (laughs) yeah anytime (laughs) like
0: that michael wrigley's class had like really taught me how to take myself seriously as a one person team you know like to Mm -hmm. treat myself like a studio almost you know and I found out recently, like, by going back to some older projects, pre, pre, I call them pre-MR, um, pre, um, pre-micro-rigal. Oh, yeah. Pre-rigs, <laughs> Pre-rigals. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, where, it, where is anything? I can't find shit. I, yeah. I didn't go as far as him with, like, naming conventions because he's really good at the naming conventions and that all kind of mm-hmm. ties back. But the file structure is just, like, those are, like, the things that, nobody teaches but everybody should learn you know and that was like when he when he was building and and developing the class and i saw that chapter i would like text him like dude this is the best ever thank you (laughs) because like yeah it's it's so essential and i i can't imagine doing work at the level that i'm able to now without having that kind of level of professionalism because it's so good are you still using octane
1: yeah yeah i'm still on uh on octane i mean everybody's been talking about Redshift being the new beautiful thing and uh i love volumetrics and interior scenes and everyone says that's like where it's been killing it so yeah maybe i'll make the switch (laughs) i just don't do is like i'm not a hardcore 3d artist so i haven't and i you know threw down the cash on octane so it's just hard to like yeah give up some you threw all the money into what's ever very
0: of the moment and it's cool to bring this up because it's like it's definitely something to discuss because so many times, what we do when we make things is the first question from like fans or people that acknowledge our work. There'll be like, "Well, what button did you push? What program did you use? Why?" and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and so there's this this whole surge of like, "Oh, Redshift versus Octane," and it's really interesting. I, I, the only reason I stopped using Octane primarily just because how unstable it was for me, and I think it was more of like a Nvidia driver thing or something, but yeah, I just wasn't willing to deal with having something like when I have to pay the bills and I'm up to like five in the morning, just like crash coursing through things. And I'm just like, man, this mm. is nothing to talk bad about them. Cause I actually met Jules and I like him and I like Octane. Octane, I'd have to say, I think Octane's GI is better. It, I, mean, I mm. think cause it's like, what is it? The unbiased or something? I forget. There's like a term cause one of them is biased. One's unbiased and the mm. way that it processes light. Um, is different. So, and you just get a, there's just the way that the, it transfers light. But I definitely like, um, I would say from what I've experienced that Redshift is like really good for production. And yeah, volumetrics game over. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's so easy to get like epic volumetrics. But we're in this phase where like the RTX cards are coming out. And I've seen some pretty crazy stuff um, happening in other programs with the calculation mm. speeds of it. And it's like, it doubles. And it's pretty great. So like, I think if Octane, they can keep rocking out the code and get that really juicy code going, they'll mm. still hang right in there, you know? So, cause I, I have the same problem. Like I invested, I bought them, mo- I spent the money to buy these things. And then it's like, ah, oh, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So many things to buy, dude. I've been, uh, I've been going down like the glitch gear, like analog glitch gear hole and it's just like killing (laughs) my wallet now. It's, there's so many things out there. What is this? I don't even know about this. Um, so recently I got like, I, I love any sort of glitch processing and, uh, I recently started getting into like analog glitch, like getting physical gear that'll just like tear up your signal and like do crazy stuff. And, um. Yeah, that scene's been around since like the 90s and all that, but uh, I just never had like the physical gear to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, for the like motion plus titles that I just worked on, I tried out this thing uh called the dream weapon, which is like the best name for a piece of gear ever. Oh, and uh,
0: cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's by it's like a piece of gear built by tachyons plus, which is like a two-person group based in Florida and they just like take all this old 90s gear that was used for like production video like color correction and stuff like that and then they change the circuitry inside of it and put in a bunch of knobs that you can turn and switch and it totally like glitches out your stuff Mm -hmm. and I mean it's it's really satisfying because you can get so many looks so fast and it's all like manual you know it's all yeah, it's all like great. so tactile and it's all looks that there aren't plugins for, which makes me super happy because yeah, like I hate plugins. <laughs> yeah, the, the After Effects glitch stuff like the there's that one pixel sorting one that's been going around and just like that's been used. I've used that a ton too. Yeah. Yeah, you used it pretty tastefully on the. Uh, was it Nike? You did like some pretty glitchy stuff for.
0: Yeah, Tauros and I. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's so hard because it is overused, but it, there are still ways. But yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all about it's all about how you use it though. So yeah, this, it, is, this is this a physical thing that you can run your 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 your? Is it like PNG sequences or just like does it run through like MP4s or something like that or? how's that um, or Oh man. Big, the... Is it a, is it a really weird kind of process to get it to go through? And
1: it's like, it's so dumb trying to get uh <laughs> video through it. It's like, so I got to basically render out some on my computer. <laughs> then I run like an HDMI cable out to like a little converter box that takes <laughs> HDMI, turns it into an RCA, RCA signal, yeah. then run the RCA into this glitch box. Okay. And then I got to run RCA out of, out of that into my, uh, CRT television Okay, and then film the CRT. Oh, okay. Um, cause you can, it's cool. yeah, it's just like the converter boxes are like, there's a ton of really shitty ones out there that just die on you. True. And like, there's, you know, there's no like, uh, like tutorials on these, uh, machines. Like I just had to ask the guy who made it like to <laughs> troubleshoot it with me. So if something stops working it's like okay is it my cable is it the machine itself is it like my computer not recognizing something so it's like <laughs> a lot of weird just troubleshooting on my own but uh I love that stuff man just it's the fun, weird right? yeah the unpredictable stuff that comes out of it is super fresh and just like
0: because we know that you couldn't make that in the programs that we you could but it's like you couldn't make it that accidentally great you know like uh, yeah I found that when we were doing, I was over at my friend Kevin and Rebecca's house, and we were doing this like um, the stuff for Akira. We were dripping like paint on oil with soap, mm-hmm. and it was just like oh, watching yeah. it at one twenty at four K. It was like looking mm-hmm. at God mm-hmm. or something, and I was like, "There's no way I could figure out how to make this in the computer. I know Houdini could probably pull it off, but it would take so much time, and it wouldn't just be serendipitous." And so. I'm a thousand percent on board with like stuff like this because it's so fun. And it's just become like the art evolves within the aspect of just creation rather than like, well, you turn this knob and you hit that ratio and you add this and you do this cosine math. And then you, you're you just like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm so far from being an artist right now. You know, like I'm yeah. more a a mathem- mathematician technician, you know. So, yeah. So it's cool. It's cool to see that
1: yeah it's such a satisfying space to be in because you're not even sure what you're looking for until it just like happens in front of you and then it's all about just like trying to capture it in that moment Um, which can be hard with that glitch pedal like you can't save a preset or anything you have to like physically write down like on a sheet of paper what you set your knobs to and all (laughs) that so that's great yeah I, I really enjoyed working with that thing man and now I'm in that hole of like, ah, oh, I want to get like a video mixer and like a different TV to run it through and then another kind of converter box that'll screw up the signal even more and just like so many weird pieces of gear that I want to buy. That's awesome. It's a cool thing to explore and invest in though. You know, it's like
0: just more toys and more ways to express yourself and to kind of like evolve processes and stuff because when I saw your motion design plus piece, I was like, yeah, for sure he's filming a screen because I was like, this is crazy. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, maybe you could do it, but it would be so weird and difficult. So it was cool seeing that and exploring with it. And it gives me so many ideas, too. I was like, oh, man, you could do like really cool footage and then you could like shoot footage of interesting like aspects and then do like weird pros- processing and after effects like and like, you know, like Kaleida mirroring and stuff. And then you could throw that through there mm-hmm. and you get this like infinite weirdness. When I started, oh, yeah. When I started working at Pro, um, Prolog, they were working on Tron, and the Tron mm-hmm. Legacy, I think it is, or is it? Yeah, what's, is it Tron Tron Legacy? I can't remember. I think that's the one, Joe Kaczynski's yeah. one, where um, where G-Monk worked on, and yeah. they were they were doing the. I don't know if you remember that movie. They had this like pull back or push in, I think, from like there's like a TV, a CRT TV, and there's a bunch of them. And they're like Mm -hmm. pulling away, and I remember them recording that on like an Alexa downstairs, recording that footage on the screen. And it was the first time Mm -hmm. I had ever thought, like, that's really weird—you're recording the screen. And they're like, "Yeah, we need the noise, we need all this Mm -hmm. digital noise to put into this stuff to comp in." And I was like, "Wow, that's really cool!" And it was like this epiphany moment, like, "Oh, that's like a good way to layer things and stuff." So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: yeah, so many natural textures out of that stuff, and then. Start shooting screens like off angle and all that and doing the rack focus and yeah, the yeah, stuff's over. so fun yeah. yeah,
0: we had a lot of fun when we were doing um, The stuff for Assassin's Creed we did it we had to do a lot of research This is the same thing I think that you probably ran into is you have to do like a lot of research on like well How do pixels work? What's the density of the pixel? How does it split mm. the color? How does it yeah. look when I get closer? Is there rows is there angle is there like because a... sometimes you get like this weird fringe if you're looking at it from a certain angle, you get like a blue fit fringe or a green fringe. Um, yeah. if you're pinching it out or if you're running like really soft depth of focus or if your is flying out. So it's like how the lens perceives the LEDs and also how your sensor sees it and then how the light pushes out and how many lumens there's like all these things that, <laughs> that mm. you wouldn't think to learn, but it's actually really cool though. I I love that stuff. It's yeah. Like, it's just live art basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there was um, I did a thing for Fender for one of their pedals and I actually uh, like reshot the UI on a computer screen to get that like color fringing. And then um, I ran it back through cinema and used like a plane effector to like glitch it out. And it actually like stretched out those colors in a bunch of really crazy ways. So that like, yeah, that stuff can like make a lot of weird glitch like colors to work with that like weird color offset you get. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I love reshooting on screens, man. Like my <laughs> old, uh, it's like a laptop from 2009. It's got like a really low pixel density. So like typography and any of that stuff just gets so chunky and like just, I don't know. I love that like old retro 90s UI kind of look. It's the best. It's one of my favorites. I have this lens. I'm trying
0: to find it because you, you're into photography as well, right? Obviously. Yeah um let's see i have this lens that i think i think he might like let's see um i have to remember it's like um i think it's like a chinese brand like a that's like a 20 mil macro but it's mm-hmm. really fun for this stuff because you can get like super chunky um close-up stuff which is a lot of oh, fun yeah let's see if i can find it yeah, I cancel it's yeah uh, i've been Yes. Oh. sorry
1: yeah uh i've been shooting a bunch of stuff on this uh like Voigtlander uh, lens.
0: which one i'm gonna get one soon
1: it's the uh i think this one's the 25 1.2 um, uh 0.95 oh man <laughs> that's why i love it dude oh, it's my... like everything gets super soft and dreamy but like the bokeh and just oh man it's so pretty
0: 25 1.95 yeah
1: uh yeah just 0. 0.9 0. 0.95 Damn. i think it's the
0: getting in that kubrick that's... area there
1: oh man getting i love sub it
0: one yeah yeah that, uh... I've, I've heard about that lens i'm thinking about getting the 40 mil 1.9 or 1.2 i mean yeah for the sony Mm-hmm.
1: yeah nice yeah right. do you um shoot sony's or what do you shoot with uh i've got a panasonic lumix gh4 but um i want to get a sony because the low light on the panasonic just gets like sort of chunky and like micro four thirds just like doesn't really get enough light and i'm always shooting low light so Mm. just i don't know Seeing all your photos definitely inspires me to jump into the Sony world. <laughs> it's there. I mean,
0: the thing is, it's like, yeah, there. it's we're talking tools now. So hopefully we haven't lost everybody But photo, <laughs> photo peeps would love this stuff. But like, yeah, I think with Sony, it just makes such an exceptional product for the cost of the price is insane. Um, I got I got yeah. on the bandwagon because Anthony Burns showed me his film and he was making and mm. shooting on the a7S two And I was like, wait, what is what is this? And he's shooting at night and it's like he's getting these ins- exceptional shots. And I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to have to get that camera. <laughs> mm. But I, I have the a7 III and it's a really exceptional. The sensor's great and it works really good in low light. And, yeah, it's been I, – I really love it. It's just really great. It's, and it just works – like a, i got I two of them now i have an R an r2 for resolution but i'm gonna probably mm. get rid of that because i just started using ai gigapixel or gigapixel ai have you heard of that the huh. topaz plugin no it's crazy dude it's like you can it's the most crazy shit like resolution doesn't really matter anymore so it's like i mean it does you want to have the best resolution that you can but I don't have to worry about that as much if i want to double up an image so let's say like i go take a photo with my a 7 three, and i'm like oh that's really good but i'd like to have it larger then i can just use this ai gigapixel and i throw it through this it like basically does it and it looks mm. almost like pixel to pixel there's a slight difference but it resizes it and it does it brilliantly and i'm like well okay well <laughs> there's no mm. need for that resolution so uh, yeah it's the biggest gripe with that camera
1: is the batteries just are horrible to have battery life is horrible so mm, it's but. probably better than my i got that black magic pocket cinema camera like mm. the the one before they made it 4k and that thing i mean the footage was beautiful like it had some natural grain in it that looked like like old film but mm. that thing would die in like 15 minutes like it was so so gnarly <laughs> okay that's not that bad yeah i thought i thought like yeah. dying after five hours of use is bad so <laughs> no but you know it's shooting like raw that's uh, a lot of power. like true raw footage in like a thing that fits in your back pocket so they <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm hoping they kind of fix some stuff with the new one that shoots 4k raw maybe it lives a little longer but uh
0: my friend Olaf has it and he said it's really great, but I don't if I haven't talked about batteries yet, but we talked about the 12 bit data that it shoots in the DNG raw that it shoots. It's just insane. You have so much like 14 stops at dynamic range. So you're really competing with like, you know, the Arri Alexa kind of range of like sensor quality. So it's really awesome. Man, yeah. this stuff gets so nerdy so quickly. So apologize <laughs> to anybody that's not into this stuff. And, and if you're not into it, I suggest you do because it's such a great way to like, spend money and have fun and pass the time like photography has been such a great
1: thing when did you get into photography uh i mean i still remember having a like shitty point and shoot camera when i was in like high school like just you know that was barely any control of it but then i got like a canon t2i when i was going to uh the savannah college of art and design so i was just like I mean, most of it was like I was just shooting practical effects stuff, you know, like a lot of things with the lasers and, you know, I just like got a projector and started working with that. So I mostly use like the video functions, but then slowly I got more and more into like, oh, OK, I can photograph cool textures or like when I'm on a trip, I'll photograph a bunch of rocks to like try and use in my 2D pieces. Um So yeah, it's been a little while now, but Mm. I still don't think of myself as like a, like a photographer, you know, Mm. like I'm not on like Bradley's level where you just, you know, he's got like a whole giant thing of lenses, all his medium formats and like, he's getting into film now. He's like, (laughs) every time I go to his house, it's just like so much gear and he gets so pumped about it. Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, he loves photography. Yeah, it's I think it's great for us because we just love the real time quality of it and the spontaneity. The same reason I'm sure you mm-hmm. love messing with like the CRT monitor stuff and like it's the same thing. It's like you're getting instant results and you're just kind of pushing yourself through time and space and exploring things. which just like so fun, so fun,
1: so rewarding. Yeah. yeah, it's uh satisfying not having to hit RAM preview before everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more I use the computer to try and render,
0: the, the more I love photography more. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, wow, I can't even believe like, look at all the GI here. This is great. All <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the atmospheric perspective is great, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. You wouldn't call yourself a, a photographer. Is that ever like an aspiration or a goal of yours to to be a photographer? Or is that something that's more or less like a means to an end and it's kind of nothing
1: like, consideration mm. for you? I I feel like I'm more... I definitely identify more with, like, trying to do cinematography and, like, understand, like, that end of it a little more than photography. But, um, I mean, I do love taking photos. It's just whenever I'm doing it, it's usually to, like, make a style frame for, like, a practical effect shoot that's going to be in motion Um, or to, like, photograph textures. Like, I have a bunch of microscope lenses that I use, so just like photograph weird textures to like put on 3d models and, um, you know, so I kind of use it as a part of the process rather than like, I'm taking a photo and that's my like final result. But, um, I still love a lot of like photographers like Michael Wolf. I've been like super Mm -hmm. into his stuff lately. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just sending Andrew, uh, Tokyo compression. Do you know that one? Mm Hmm it's a series by Michael Wolf that cause I saw Andrew's um, Tokyo trash or trash Tokyo, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is so dope. Yeah. I love that he's doing that series. Oh yes.
0: I've seen these. These are great. They're the people inside the subways.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And so he has a bunch of different ones. There's like one called lost laundry and it's a bunch of like laundry that's like flown off of those hangers in uh, Hong Kong and all that. Mm-hmm. Like so many dope like, and like his grades on all the photos and everything just like have such a like nice tone to them so i appreciate a lot of photographers but like i don't think i get into it on that level um i took a bunch of photos in japan i was there with uh chris for motion plus Mm. which uh i was like running around with my fisheye lens and that was super fun to like get a bunch of warped architecture and that thing. That's right, you guys went out there together. That's really cool. Was that your first time to Japan? Oh yeah. I really want to go back, man. I might try <laughs> and go this year. It's the best. Yeah.
0: I love that place. It's there's so much to it, especially Well, have you were you
1: raised and born in the states? Uh, I was, but my dad was born in Kyoto. So, oh, um it was really cool to go back there cuz I feel like I understood a lot more about him by like going to that city that he grew up in. Cause like so much of his personality I think comes from the personality of that city. Mm. Um, so that was like, did he grow
0: up there in Kyoto?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, he stayed there Kyoto. till he was, yeah, he's there till he was 18 and then yeah. moved to the States to go to school.
0: Oh, okay. Um, and, he, and then is he still here or did he move back?
1: Yeah, he's still here. Okay. He uh he hasn't been back in a while. I'm still trying to convince him to do uh do a trip, but I think the like 11-hour plane flight is uh not really sitting with him too well. Just take, so, just drink some alcohol and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pass take out. some melatonin. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm I'll do that trip. I'll do, take that flight any day long, especially if you fly in uh, uh japanese airlines which is like the best airlines ever because they're so nice and like the food's epic and it's just, mm. <laughs> <I'm> like yeah <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I they love play Japan. a song for everything yes it's so awesome i really adore that country it's cool like it's awesome that we live in a time where we can go there and travel there and like the cultures like we're able to kind of enjoy one another's cultures you know because it was not so long ago that there was a war between america and japan you know so it's like that was pretty recent in history so it's like it's so nice to be able to go there and enjoy it for what it's worth and it's just amazing there's ah it's just so good i
1: love it so much yeah yeah it's it's surreal going there man like uh I went um, for Motion Plus and then like the whole week after it, I was just wandering around with Chris and my friend Grant. And I still remember like some students came up to us and we're doing one of those English interviews. I don't know if you ever yeah. got stopped for those.
0: Yeah. And so like cute. this
1: one, dude, it, it was cute. But this one threw us off so much because mm-hmm. they asked like the basic questions like, where are you from? Where are you going? And they were writing down the answers. And then the last one, they asked us what we thought of the atomic bomb. Whoa. And we were just kind of like, whoa, can we read your questionnaire? And we had to like look at it and that's what the thing said. Wow. So it was was your reply. Oh, like very bad. Like not not good. (laughs) Trying to make sure they yeah. Incredibly sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was but they were super cheery about it and like, you know, write it down with smiles. And (laughs) so it was just kinda like threw us off a little bit. And then their teacher like took a photo of us with the students. So it was just kinda like this very heavy question framed in like a very cute atmosphere. So <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's kind of what Japan does for me too. So it kind of like stimulates my senses in the most weird way because it's the only place on earth that I've been to thus far. And I've been to a lot of places where I feel like I'm definitely in a new place. Like mm. everything is new and different. You know, it's like, I, it's like I'm on a movie set. It's like, I'm totally away from my own reality and I love it because it's like, I guess it's escapism <laughs> 101, I guess. But I just love the quality that that has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's nice to yeah be out of your element, be surrounded by people who are speaking another language mm-hmm. so you can just like observe. I, yeah. You can just get lost in like the scenery and all that. Um, I was just in Paris for mm. another motion plus motion does, yeah, motion event. Plus, yeah yeah i love those events man they're they're great yeah they're very very special place in my heart so well obviously but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah first conference and i mean the the guy who runs it cook is just like the sweetest dude he's I a love really that nice man. guy yeah he's a sweetheart i met yeah. him in la
0: a while ago yeah he's a cool dude i like him yeah yeah
1: yeah he he introduced me to a lot of a lot of films that I'm really into yeah. like um which I'd one? seen well he I think he was the one who introduced me to Enter the Void because he's oh, like yeah. he's like friends with Gaspar Noe which oh, I yeah. was like oh wow you just know this dude cool yeah. <laughs> um and then he recommended Irreversible which oh, yeah brutal. was heavy that that was well both of his lot. films are brutal yeah are they heavy yeah yeah, irreversible hit me a little harder just because it like yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's I wouldn't it's recommend it so French. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's
0: so artsy and
1: so heavy. Yeah, yeah. But the it was really cool to see, um, like the camera work, like see how it kind of matured even more from that film to enter the void. Yeah. And I'm always looking for behind the scenes on the actual camera work because you can find it for enter the void like all those crazy 3d scenes by buff but yeah i want to see what they're they doing with the camera on that yeah. oh dude buff's crazy like those those lens distortion things when it goes into like trip zone and goes through the lamps like
0: yeah when he yeah. went on when he was tripping on dmt or whatever he was doing mm. he, yeah, yeah and that, those fractal moments and stuff i was like wow this is i've never done this but i imagine this has got to be somewhat close to it i don't know why don't yeah. you should work with him Sounds like you should have a lot of fun.
1: Oh yeah. When uh Cook mentioned uh that he knew him, I was like, Oh hey, you know if he if he <laughs> ever needs like some titles or like some stroby glitchy stuff, I would I'm love sure he does. to be involved in that. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, that's that's rad. But yeah, that's oh man. Those films are so i've watched enter the void twice now i'm like wow okay that's enough for a while (laughs) there's so much like there's so it's such a unique experience that's what i love about it too it's like um it's a very unique experience yeah yeah
1: well i always felt like it was kind of like um requiem for a dream Mm -hmm. where like after you watch it you really kind of have to take a breath and you kind of like reflect on your own life for a minute just yeah. be like, okay, I'm doing all right. It's <sighs> like, <laughs> it's not at that level that that's pretty intense. And I feel like I don't get that from many films. Like there are definitely films out there that are just super like the craft is amazing. Story's amazing. It can suck me in, but like films like enter the void or Requiem for a dream is just like, it sticks with me for like the rest of the week. And I just have to like, kind of think it over and like unpack all the stuff that I just took in.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of baggage to take on. Do you
1: like Tom Ford's movies? Have you seen his movies? I don't know Tom Ford's. It's what Tom... Uh, What's he done?
0: Um, uh, it's, it's, What is it? Uh, sleep, sleep, whatever it called, Tom Ford. I'm trying to think of the name, um, Ford. I liked, I really liked his last, Nocturnal Animals is what it's called.
1: Mm, no, I haven't seen. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal in
0: was... it. And uh, Amy Adams, I think.
1: Uh, I'll have to check out this guy's stuff.
0: Yeah, he, I would just check out. If I were you, I'd just check out Nocturnal Animals. It's, it, You might like it. It's mm. interesting, yeah. Looks and, uh, I, like, yeah, like have you seen um, Enemy? No. Nah. Okay, you should check out Enemy too. Yeah, I think you might like that. It's not as heavy and crazy deep as... Uh, Enter the void. Most films aren't, <laughs> just mm. because they're those are hard to f- to fund films, but like yeah, these ones have some accessibility, but they're really interesting. But Enemy and Enemies by Danny Villeneuve, who did the latest Blade Runner. Mm. So, okay,
1: cool. Yeah,
0: Villeneuve, whatever, however you pronounce his last name, but yeah, yeah, nothing like a good film though to just kind of throw you into that weird place. Oh you know, yeah. Do you watch any like um like Korean films
1: or um Japanese films? Old stuff or new stuff? Um I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean most of the like stuff from Japan or anything like that is usually like something in the form of anime. Um so like in anything like Cowboy Bebop, Akira, that kind of stuff always You know, it's my jam. But I didn't think like live action stuff. Koreans are killing it.
0: Killing it on the
1: live action game. Yeah, it's uh old old boy mm-hmm. isn't that a yeah that's korean movie yeah. yeah that one was crazy dude i remember my dad suggested that one oh, and really? like i was just <laughs> like whoa <laughs> yeah it just was not like i thought it was just gonna be a you know general film and i was like wow this is uh this is a lot to take in man some psychological craziness yes
0: yes i like it because their approach is very like different from i think our movie making approach which is somewhat conventional and fitting into like a certain way of thinking. It's Mm. like they, it's the same way I think that you probably encountered it too. When you're in Japan, their interpretation of our culture is so different than our Mm. interpretation of their culture or just our interpretation of our own culture, you know, like, so I don't know, like just food, for example, or just the way that things are perceived in that area of the world. It's the distance between us makes it for these really interesting, like, transformations of what they perceive of what what, who we are and what we do it's it's fascinating stuff so but it really seeps into the psyche of um korean filmmaking i have a couple on my list that like the um the handmaiden i think it's called
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah because you were just uh you did a thing with min Shi, right and she was suggesting she, a bunch
0: yeah she had a bunch of, i haven't had a chance to i have these i bought the films and i haven't had a chance to sit down because with these kind of films you I have to be like completely ready for them mm, and it's yeah. kind of i because they're also their subtitles and there's a lot of subjectivity and like yeah there's a lot of things to be like cautious of and to be very aware of it so his name is park chan Wook, but mm. he, he's done he's done like um i've seen a, i think he did a so he did, did he do old boy no
1: yeah i think i saw the trailer for this one it, trailer's uh, epic. Yeah. yeah so he did old boy so this is the same,
0: Dope. same. and then simply sympathy for mr vengeance which is like do super good but his sympathy. approach is really interesting but yeah mm. i i really love um, but I also really love like Steven Spielberg blockbuster movies, you know? So like, uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I just can't get enough of those
1: like Jurassic parks and stuff too. So I don't know. I don't disregard him. So, but yeah. yeah. Did you ever see, uh, that film, Mr. Nobody? No, but I hmm?
0: remember it. Mr. Nobody. No.
1: that's, uh, I think that's one of my favorites cause it's just, I mean, there are so many reasons to love that, like all the like random science breaks and talking about like it just anything that has to do with time and multiple universes or like multiple lives that you could live. If you could see your future and like the butterfly effect of choice and that one just like jumps back and forth like crazy. There are a lot of like time jumps and different realities and Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like a. Like surrealist, almost like a love film, which is normally not my jam, but like it's done. I well. don't know, yeah, that one and the music, like the genre. I always feel so, like, yeah, it's there's so many things to love about that one. Um, so I definitely recommend that film, and it kind of breaks the standard, uh, like progression of like storytelling because I mean, I still love standard action movies like i'll watch an old arnold schwarzenegger movie from like the 90s any day just yeah, those are like my comfort movies you know of course yeah but then
0: if you want to stimulate your brain and push it into a weird place it's nice too right. do you like shane caruth's films have you seen upstream color i have not shane. Oh, okay check that out yeah watch that sounds like you'll Car- like that Ruth. Jane Carruth yeah
1: Uh, cool yeah I'll check this dude out oh he did Primer yes yes dude Primer is crazy I was not ready for that film (laughs) (laughs) yeah most of us were yeah (laughs) yeah I like watched the trailer was like oh you know it's filmed in kind of this like kind of low budget looking vibe like thought it was just gonna be a chill film and just yeah it that one hit me pretty hard oh he did Swiss Army Man too I heard that one was crazy
0: Mm mm-hmm Yeah, he has very interesting approaches to things. But Upstream Color is really good too. I think he, I think again, he wrote it. He acted in it. He directed it. I think he shot it too. So yeah, he's one of those guys. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, he's on a he's on that level. But it's got a lot of really. I think the thing that I really like about his work, it's very polar. So like, you either love it or you hate it. And I've 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 I showed it to friends that I thought would love it, and they hated it. And then I really enjoy it. I don't even watch sometimes I just watch scenes from it because there's some really memorable scenes in there. I'm just like, wow, that's a really interesting way to approach this film. Like it's really unique or a way to approach a story and tell a story. So when you talked about like nonlinear and like interesting ways of cutting things, like upstream color, you'll probably really enjoy that. Do you watch any of like the Black Mirror episodes on they're now on Netflix now? I think, yeah.
1: Um the last one I watched was that um it was like a movie where you pick your own uh, Bandersnatch, mm-hmm. that one, yeah. which I, I watched, I think, three separate times, like with different people just to see like if it really did take you down different avenues. And yeah, that one was pretty interesting. I, I like Black Mirror because it gets pretty dark, which I think is kind of my tendency in like art and design is to just go into that dark tech place that the matrix kind of hit me with when I was growing up. So yeah. why is that? Uh-huh.
0: Why is that? Is it because of the matrix or is it just like, is it a subconscious thing? Cause I always ask myself too that like, why mm-hmm. is my stuff so dark all the time?
1: Yeah. I've actually been thinking about that a ton. Um, cause I read that book. It's one you've suggested before, um, on another podcast episode, uh, the war of art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Stephen, Pressfield. yeah. 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 And so I recently read that and then I also was doing graphics for um, a class with Masterclass with Carlos Santana Hmm. and both Santana and in that book, they talk about this idea of the muse or like the spirit that speaks through you when you get in that flow state. So you kind of become the uh, the vessel that like the spirit inhabits. And that's where like the true art comes through. And so I was thinking, all right, well, if there's, like, this muse, this, like, higher being that's trying to speak through me, like, if I really love this, like, if my, like, natural self is this kind of darker psychedelic artwork, like, what is that muse? Is it, like, actually this kind of, like, strange demonic force or something? Like, it's weird to think about what that, like, spirit is that's coming through you and...
0: And reconciling it and at the same time accepting it that, like, maybe I am just a dark person with, like, dark attributes, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. except I'm not, like, a moody person. You know, I'm not, like, in a pissy mood all day and, like, sure. mean to people, but, like... You don't have to be, though. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I definitely grew up on, like, you know, listening to, like, metal music, playing in metal bands and, like... Oh, yeah? ...being in that scene. Oh, yeah. I. uh
0: What kind of love- metal
1: music? oh in like high school it was a lot of thrash Mm because i like had a band with my close friend heinrich and like he was the one that got me into the drums like his dad had a obnoxiously large drum set that like man i don't know how his parents did it man like letting us play like like speed metal and like just thrashing on the drum kit and just loud guitars every day but (laughs) that's kind of supportive parents huh yeah, but we, we'd listen to stuff like Opeth and like mm. Dream Theater and mm. a lot of like proggy stuff. And then like Amon Amarth, Marth, like that Viking metal kind mm. of stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I still love. You know, I'll still live, listen to like um, like Pantera and stuff like that when I skateboard or yeah, I can't uh, away
0: from hell. Yeah. Yeah. I put, put Pantera on every couple of months. I'm like,
1: oh, hell yeah,
0: dude. It hits yeah, that like, scratch, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Dimebag is so
1: such a genius, man. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, man. Slayed it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting into, uh, like, cause I got really into like synth music now. So I think, Mm -hmm. uh, Carpenter Brute, do you know them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my like happy in between. It's like my metal fix, but Mm -hmm. with like the synthy dance backbeat that I can like stomach for like a long amount of time. So if I got to like crunch on some roto or something i really can't like you know i just need to get it done get it done fast i'll like turn on some carpenter brute and just you know jam
0: (laughs) yeah he's like it's kind of interesting too that you bring that up because he's such a hybrid like i think the same thing when like skrillex was really blowing up i was like when i heard it i was like oh well like somebody merged metal with like edm yeah that was like the heavy dubstep stuff because i was like oh these are all the same breakdowns that i've been hearing all -hmm. this time you know it's like i was I was really into like um like glass was one of my favorites, and is not thrash or metal, but it was really interesting, like fusion music, but they had like heavy breakdowns and stuff, and Daryl was like really crazy and then um but yeah, obviously like you know Pantera and stuff, and then I'm trying to think of some of the other like heavier bands I would listen to. Like, like a, for the love of it's like this really weird, obscure kind of band, but they would mm. do like really heavy breakdowns. So, I guess I just love that. Like,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, like poison the well
0: <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, good, like, China little splash symbol in there, <laughs> and then the yeah, <laughs> drop D. Yeah, <laughs> I love that stuff, man. Yeah. I like grew up in that, so That's yeah, it's good. been yeah it's been interesting my uh I thought that music died um, It was
0: like, sad so it's cool to hear that you listen to it because I just feel like everybody listens just like auto-tune drumbeat shit I don't even want this episode. I sound like <laughs> such an old fart when I say that but it's like
1: my, my daughter will be like listening to her music really loud I'm like
0: what is that oh. Like,
1: sound like an old guy. Dude, yeah there's uh there's some weird music out there now it's like all over the place yeah. but yeah I still got such a soft spot in my heart for metal music um but I mean good. I don't listen to, to as much now. oh yeah yeah, yeah spam I, me dude
0: yeah but I actually I'm the same way because I, I really love like I listen to a lot of scores now a lot of like sim- well I've always loved sim- like symphony kind of music but I listen to like mm. a lot of but I love man I love my hardcore I, I love it so much <laughs> yeah
1: you play uh, you play bass for a while right mm-hmm.
0: yeah eight years I played bass and nice. uh, I was like Cliff Burton was my god and, and I could I would play as close as I could to him. And then like, I really love Justin from um, tool. So I love, mm. so I was like, I would always play with like um, different types of pedals and stuff. So I'd use like delay and like, I would use guitar type pedals and then throw them through my step. I had a full stack and I, I built most mm. of my own stuff back then. So I was so poor, but I had like four tens and like a 12. And then I had like a, like a special amp that plugged it all through. And then I would try tube amp stuff. And it was just like, I would just, I loved seeing how far I could push the the bass. I had a five mm, string yeah. too, so I would just like oh, I like change the tunes and try different strings, and like it was so fun. And it's just like that was just one instrument. That's why I'm so worried because I have the Ableton that push thing, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> it's just looking at me like, come on, pull me out, let's play, and I'm like, no, because oh uh, man. I'll disappear yeah. from the world for, like,
1: a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll <laughs> have nothing too. to show for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, music's, like, I feel like music for me is, like, the sketchbook used to be when I was in high school. Like, that mm. thing you just get mm. lost in for, like, the entire day. Like, my roommate has the same issue because he's a musician. And just, like, we'll talk about, like, opening up Ableton at, like, 8 in the afternoon and then being, <laughs> like, oh, shit, it's, like, 4 a.m. like I (laughs) haven't done any of my other shit like I just have been in my Ableton zone and made some random like freak out jam (laughs)
0: but
1: yeah it's so satisfying man it's like yeah it's so nice that's why I'm so worried about trying to like push sound design or like composing into like more of a like actually doing it It as a profession yeah like I'm scared it's gonna just like Kind of kill that that love for it, you know, and turn it into like a job.
0: it's smart of you to recognize that. If you recognize it now, it's definitely going to happen. And maybe just bring on collaborators. That's how I do because I'm like, yeah, I mean, we could probably compose our own music, but it's so much better sometimes to just have somebody that does it and is willing to take that on. That way you can keep it because the idea that it's a sketchbook. I, I love that analogy because that is because I think I, we were talking about before we started recording. But I have like this little MIDI keyboard and i usually have mm. ableton on so i just like when of my renders going i'm just like playing mel- notes and melodies and like mm. i just love the escape of like okay let me put my brain here for a little bit and then my brain can like decompress and then i go back to the visuals and i'm like oh it's replugging into this and so it's like the neurons are firing then resetting and then coming back and it keeps my brain fluid it fl- like pl- flowing well i think i learned that from learning about einstein which he would like be deep in computational science and then he would take a break play the violin and come back to it you had epiphanies because i think when you're the way our brains work they're very complex but when your neurons fire in different patterns and then they come back and then they they reset to the same thing i think you can have these like really interesting moments where you have like misconnections that lead to epiphanies Mm -hmm. so it's almost like hijacking you know sounds like some kind of tim ferris like bullshit but yeah. <laughs> I like Tim Ferriss by the way I'm not saying anything bad about him it
1: <laughs> seems like a life hack like you know if you are hack your brain and do some stuff with some music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, dude uh you know Connor right you chatted with him Connor's Mr. great man yeah Mr. Bedtimes. Dude, uh, Connor is great yeah he plays uh synth in mm-hmm. my band um that's right you guys are in a band because you
0: guys do similar stuff together too so like when yeah. he's like in the micro um photography stuff then i'll see it from you so it's like oh it's cool you guys are k- sharing what you guys are learning so oh yeah uh, how do you guys meet uh, we
1: met a... <laughs> <laughs> i wish man no <laughs> we we met at uh at autofus he was like uh that's right he was working there um and then i like came in there after i graduated like bradley brought me into that family and uh yeah, I got to work with him on a few projects. And then that's actually how the band started because they had a jam room there. Like the owner was a drummer and they had like a, like a half stack there and like keyboard, guitar. So we just like, like I'd jump on the drum set to kind of decompress on a Friday, you know, just like just spaz on the toms and like get it out and then he'd just like come in and be like hey yeah just like <laughs> we should jam and he'd like jump on the keyboard and like start a melody and like you know you know when you jam with people it's just like with certain people it just works it's like, like love you know man it's like yeah, yeah. it's just like you don't really have to try it's no. just like you both are in your natural zone and it just yeah, and that's always how it's been with Connor. So it was just like clicked every time, and then we slowly absorbed. We actually had a guy that was doing bass, um, he was on a push, and that was my favorite experience with a bass player because all his bass lines were super percussive, mm. like because it's all on the buttons. So it was yeah. just like crazy funk bass, but in like weird synth form. Mm.
0: Yeah, the push is interesting because it breaks the structure of a keyboard. So you're not thinking of like white keys, black keys and formations. So it's like all the keys are kind of just flat and laid out. It's a brilliant thing. I'm just, I, I feel so bad that I haven't even played with it. I have to hold off though. I must hold off. I have other things to do. But <laughs> no, it's, that's really cool. It's a cool instrument because it's like, well, I don't even know if I call it an instrument. I guess it is, but it's like, it's, it's like a Pandora's box if you think about it. Cause you could really... Dude, huge damage musically with that thing because like oh yeah and then because i got ableton but i also got like all these plugins too for it like all these like crazy synths and like
1: native instruments all those things i got tons of those
0: things yeah and i'm like oh i'm like okay i gotta stay away from this because i was Mm -hmm. like i was literally like i would start playing with it after like i was done working around like 10 or 11 at and then I would just play until six in the morning. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it ha- happened uh, for like two weeks. I'm like, I got to retire this. This is bad for my
1: health. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Weird. It'll, it'll knock out some hours, man. I run into yeah. that with my, uh, my little setup here in the room where I have like a Roland S PDSX drum pad. It's like mm-hmm. a nine pad. So it's like a much smaller version of that push, but, I can just like load any sample on there and then the electronic drum set and then a Korg R3 synthesizer. So it's just like all these things to play with. And uh, <laughs> right now, I'm tr- oh, yeah. I'm trying to do like one man band, uh, like synth wave kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you saw like a synth wave band play, but it's just one dude playing everything in real time mm-hmm. and. Um it's pretty lo-fi right now, you know, like I can't go crazy with the bass lines cuz I have to play them on that <laughs> Roland SPD-SX, but um it's been pretty fun and like just takes my brain into that other place you're talking about. Like it takes takes me away from visual world so I can just like knock out a render, go jam out on there for like 5 minutes, then come back and just feel way better when I'm coming back into the project.
0: (laughs) That's a great escape, man. Yeah, I think it's really healthy. I always think that we always have to have something other than doing art because sometimes it could be so demanding on us to constantly just be staring at the screen and working with the screen and, like, interacting with it in a sense. I think it kind of creates a, a lot of problems, I think, by, like, just being inundated and, like, completely always stuck in it. So it's it's good to have those releases because I just think it helps the art form itself because I don't think we're designed to necessarily just con- like we're not a machine like capitalism kind of makes it so that we all fit into our own machine roles. But I don't mm. think it's natural for the creative like mind to, to constantly repeat actions endlessly, like robotically, because I think it hinders the art form. So. But the cool thing about that, and it's also I was gonna say about photography that I found you probably for the same for you is it's another creative release, but it's an Mm. excuse to do it like through actions of like travel and stuff, you know. So, which is awesome, you know. So it's just like another art form, though. It's just like oh wow, like I used to walk through here all the time, but I never realized it like this as a photographer. So it's like different here, and the lighting's different, and like now I'm paying attention to time zones and weather and stuff. So it's like, yeah, that's it it's another really cool fun experiment um that's cool that you've gotten a chance to travel out to paris how did you like it
1: oh it was awesome man uh this most recent one have you been there prior yeah this is my third trip out there okay and um it's always for motion plus every time but uh yeah this year was crazy because they had like this country-wide music festival that was literally like every street corner was like a DJ or a live band just like jamming out all night like I saw yeah. a bunch of bands covering Nirvana which oh, was that's weird it's weird going to another country and then hearing a bunch of like classic American songs so <laughs> but everybody was singing along it was pretty dope and so universal uh, that sound so crazy Yeah. And the conference is, you know, awesome. This is one of my favorite years. Just like, what's the thing um, that you like most about it? Mostly just like the size of the conference is like super small. I haven't been to any other conferences, but I've heard like off can get like humongous FITC is pretty big, but like this one, the tickets are really cheap. They have like, I think a max of like 800 people can get into the theater and they set it up so you're not like in some VIP area, like as a speaker, like you're just kind of mingling with people. So, you know, I just had like so many people come up and start talking to me about my work or like I got to talk to the other speakers about their work and it, like it just felt really connected. It wasn't like this serious, like hierarchical thing of like, oh, this person's like very special, big speaker. They go to the special room and, you know, you have to like awkwardly interject like when they're trying to get to the bathroom to like start a conversation or something. So Mm, it just felt like more of a community thing for people to like meet rather than like this very formal experience. Um, and then of course the owners are amazing. The, the end of that conference, it it always has like some crazy, like technical thing that kind of goes a little bit wrong. Like they were trying to live stream to all these like, uh, other locations like in greece like tony Zigaratos i think was running the greece one and then uh Zhao Yu was running one in like china i think um but like the it was just glitching had all these weird problems and they were like cracking jokes in french and the french audience was laughing and like mm-hmm. it just felt so uh so personal, personal you know yeah it sounds cool yeah so I th- I think that's why I like it. it just feels very sincere as a conference.
0: That's awesome. It's easy to get lost in like, oh, it needs to be professional and this and that. Yeah. So I don't run those things, but I've been to quite a few. So that sounds cool. I don't, I think I've been to, have I been to one man? My memory is so bad. And like when I travel, it kind of just gets all mushed together. I don't think I've been to one though. I think I would know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of them now. There's so many that like, gets crazy. Oh, that's I, crazy! I mean, I can see the business model It's pretty clear. It's like you hire, you bring artists in. You don't pay them usually to do talks. It's kind of a rare thing. Maybe you do, and then um, you pay for their travel and stay for a couple of days, and then you have you know a certain amount of speakers, and then you hire students or like volunteers to do the mm-hmm. managing of it, and then you just sell 800 tickets at you know a hundred dollars a piece or whatever and then well mm. that's a pretty huge amount of money to come back yeah. so the business model makes sense so but it's cool that they keep it honest and clear and direct it's cool so it's like yeah. throwing a big party really so artists are usually super weird though like when they do talks it's like the it's so uncomfortable it's like such cringy <laughs> it's so cringy but yeah some of them are great though some people are natural like um they're natural entertainers too. So you get like this really great like flow of, Oh wow. Like this person's not just like a really great artist or really good at communicating
1: like their passions and stuff, which is cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see one of Bradley's talks at some point. You never seen him talk? Never seen him talk. Well, you work with them a lot. So yeah. Yeah. I get the (laughs) Bradley experience, but everybody, everybody tells me, I think one of my favorite photos Is one before, I think it's FITC, and it's like the guy running FITC reviewing Bradley's uh, presentation. And he's like, yeah, and it's like he's on some slide that's going to like something terrible. It's like some really sexual gif or something like that. And he's just like face palming and you're just laughing in the corner and bradley is just like (laughs) uh, just laughing i don't know it was just so good it's like man i need to see one of these talks at some point super
0: entertaining they're lots of fun but like they're definitely like not made for people that are sensitive because oh my god i can't believe you showed like a a monkey humping a stuffed animal or something (laughs) it's so masculine or some kind of weird thing that somebody would complain about. So Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I think you, I think with him, you have to just understand that he loves life and he's willing to share that. So don't stifle it. Just let it be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, I think that, so I was there. So that must've been off. Maybe it was like off in Toronto or something. Cause yeah, he Mm -hmm. got rowdy in uh, Toronto. So Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but those are fun it's cool it's just like i um, seeing a bunch of friends and being able to talk about stuff that you're passionate about and seeing how other people are perceiving their reality and how they're being creative and how they're projecting moving forward i have i sp- mm. i'm going to russia soon a
1: couple weeks i think i've never been there have you been there yet uh no i haven't mm. but uh i know a few people from there that have talked it up um yeah minus it getting cold a lot of the year it sounds pretty amazing yeah and go right in the
0: summer i'm excited i'm going to moscow so let me see i'm 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 excited i like new trying new things and seeing new places so yeah and that'll be a speaking thing are are you doing a speaking event anytime in the near future
1: uh none planned but Mm -hmm. i want to do more just like force myself into like that weird spazzy place when i get on stage and, you know, it's such a weird anxiety rush that like, I mean, I get the same thing when I play with a band, you know, you get on stage, the bright lights hit you in the face and you're like, Mm -hmm. you weren't nervous until that moment. And then it's like, oh shit, I have to collect myself and then you know if you got one of those headsets on the mics like almost in your mouth it's just like a weird like you can hear your breathing yeah (laughs) yeah it's such a weird experience man but I I feel like after the first time I did the motion plus talk I kind of loved it so yeah yeah first time is always difficult but then like as
0: you go through it it becomes a lot of fun and then once like you get the flow with how people perceive you and you can like It's almost like stand up comedy, I guess. I listen to a lot of comedians. So I'm like, I try to take notes from them because it's like, you're just entertaining people, really. That's all it really is. You're entertaining and trying to educate people. And they're there to see you. So, which is really awesome. And it's like such a great exchange. So it's like giving back that energy is like so important. So, yeah, that's cool, though. Yeah. I imagine there's
1: going to be some cool ones for you in the future. That'd be really cool. Yeah, fingers crossed. I just like, go into them because I get to meet so many artists that I know through Instagram and finally get to put a face to it. Like uh like I just met um friendly robot like, oh, yeah, at Francois. the last one. That's yeah, so awesome. Man. Like, super friendly. It was so funny though sitting in this I knew he was gonna be given like a little talk right after my like Adobe thing. Mm. So I knew he was somebody in the room, but I wasn't sure who. So I had to wait until they're like, all right. And up next is friendly robot. And like, he stood up. I was like, all right, Ran, I was like, dude, I love your work. We should chat later. Find me. <laughs>
0: just, he, he's awesome. Yeah. He's such a sweetheart, man. I, I really love that oh, yeah. guy. He's such a grad guy. We just had him on, on the podcast and yeah, he's just, he's so nice and so smart and so giving. And yeah, yeah. he's like, he's like, um, what I would, uh, Define as just being a great artist. So, yeah, yeah. very just, humble. So humble, like,
1: man. So so nice to see when someone's that good. You're uh, like, oh, he shreds hard, chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he shreds so
0: hard, but he's so humble too. So it was, yeah, he's such a rad dude. Yeah, um, what was I gonna say? We were talking a little bit about process because I, I find your process really interesting. I don't know if you like to talk about process, but I find process to be something that we're all kind of interested in one another is it's more or less a curiosity. Your process is really interesting because it seems like, you know, you have music in your life, but you also um, approach art in a a slightly different way, which I think gives you like a really unique edge and it gives your voice, your work a a certain voice, which is like you're using a lot of, let's say, I don't know, quote unquote analog um, devices and like ways of seeing things and then bring that in. So what's like, if you have a general, a general um, project, what's kind of like your, process like if there were to be any sort Mm. of template i don't i'm not saying that there is i'm just saying like what would that look like basically
1: um it definitely changes a lot just since i've done things in so many different mediums that um you know because some stuff is just straight like the busy work is always just after effectsy stuff but um, I have some projects that are like totally practical effects and I barely touch the digital world and then there's like others that more. Yeah, that's, I think when I jump back and forth, that's where I'm in my happy place. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I'll shoot something, bring it in, mess with it in after effects or like do like a photo scan or something and then pipe it into octane and like make a render and then spit that back out and reshoot it on a screen and then process that digitally. And just like anything that allows me to go back and forth um, gets me pretty excited. And I think a lot of that came from art school because I had like graphic design professors that would like ask you about every single detail in your work to be like, why do you pick that paper? Why do you choose to use this color? Why that typeface? And like they make us, make process books. And I started to really focus in on like, okay, I need to justify why I used every medium. Like, why did I choose to do it on a computer versus an analog process? And so I think that's helped me break out of always doing digitals because I think, oh, just the process of doing it this way enhances the concept or the fact that it's on like a CRT television relates to this idea of it being like a vintage thing rather than just saying like oh I like the look of this so I'm gonna do it that way mm. um so I'd say like art school really got me into that uh process and then working with Bradley you know he's such of like Obsessive process, like the collect is like his thing. You know, it's (laughs) just like there's got to be a collect, there's got to be like pages and pages of like iterations, and just you know, he just loves that stuff. And so, I feel like I had an interest in like process and like having a lot of layers to it from school, but then being around Bradley just made it like you know, I just got deeper and deeper into it, and now it's like. I kind of feel like if I don't have process to put on my site, like if I can't show some interesting facet to it, I am hesitant to even put it online. Even if I think the result is interesting, like if the process isn't cool, then I probably didn't have fun making it. And I feel like that's what most art is about. It's like the process of making it, not really like what you get at the end. It's just like, if it's not fun to make, then kind of feels like, wasted time unless you're learning from it
0: yeah it's very true yeah i mean yeah that's a lesson that it's a hard lesson to learn but it's also a very true one and it's kind of a weird one because it's almost like if all it is is that like you're just obsessed with your own process of making things and it's like what is the end result for those that didn't get to make it with you that's always the conundrum i find it's just like OK, well, then what about the person that wasn't there to enjoy the process of it? What are they getting mm-hmm. out of it? You know, so but if, if it doesn't matter, I get to, at, at that point because it's just like, well, we're just we're just creating and having fun and we're making things. So that's mm-hmm. all that matters, you know. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's why I always liked um, I did like a research paper in school about uh, Richard Serra. Do you know his uh, sculptures? Mm-mm you've definitely seen him. He does these huge like metal sculptures that are like, it's literally like a spiral of like giant piece of metal or like a huge slab. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like reading interviews with him and he does a lot of process-based work. Like he had one called uh, like verb list and it was just a list of verbs of things you could do with materials, like to slice, to cut, to splatter, to burn. Mm And he would just apply those to materials and make pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really found his interviews interesting because he doesn't like paint the metal or do these process to him. He will just like make very raw material pieces. And his philosophy was about like how that would bring people closer to the process because they could see how it was made. So they got closer to the part that's actually enjoyable for the artist which is like how it was put there like how did they move this giant piece of metal into this space or like how was it bent this way and you can kind of see how it was done so Mm -hmm. then people get closer to it and I guess with digital work that's pretty much like leaving the errors in it you know things that might let people say like oh I kind of see like they must have scanned something because I see the weird edge here or like little details like that I think I kind of love because it allows people to see that process and kind of see like a sincere side of the work. That's not like, Oh, it's so perfectly crafted. You have no idea how this came together. Hmm.
0: Uh, that's great. Cause that was leading me to my next question that I want to talk to you about was like, what do you want people to perceive? Like, how do you want people to perceive your work? Um,
1: Hmm. I mean, I, I would like if people definitely go into it thinking like, I don't, I have no idea how this is made. So I want to take the time to like maybe scroll through and see like the process and just get people interested in it. And then hopefully someone who maybe has never gotten into like practical effects or like uh, analog medium might be like, Oh wow. Like I want to try this and like maybe inspire someone to try something different. Cause that's, for me, a lot of my stuff came from seeing people's process or like mm-hmm. going on YouTube and seeing people do like examples of science experiments. And that kind of like got me out of my digital shell. Cause I definitely had a long period in school where I was just all about like Photoshop and digital stuff. And I feel like the like really enjoyable part was when I started blending the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so ideally people, you know, see the process in it and hopefully see like that. I pick certain mediums because that has something to do with the concept and maybe makes the concept a little deeper for them.
0: Mm. And just kind of see that and go through the journey with you almost. Huh? So getting inspired yeah. and then kind of then taking action by seeing what you're doing so that they can kind of experience the same kind of feel that you have those epiphany moments then. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully feeling like I feel like I really love work that feels sincere from artists, you know, it just feels like I'm having a conversation with this artist. Like it's kind of like a pure piece. And I feel like, uh, when you can kind of see through the process, it has a little more sincerity to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like someone's trying to present something and like hide the seams from you. Hmm. So I think that's been in like a big part of like a lot of the analog process. It's just like letting the errors be a part of it.
0: Mm what would be so that's so what would be like a a dream project for you like a a client what kind of client would you like to work with and what would be the experience if you could go from point a to point b through the process of making it
1: Mm, that's hard i mean there's a few dream ones of like getting to do larger like music event experiences like immersive screen setups and just like sonic experiences like uh Like working on dome stuff has been super fun. So I'd love to do like, like an LED dome concert experience with like some crazy drone artist or something like that would be like something that just really hits people hard. It's not like a, like a screen experience, like on a computer. It's like something that fully immerses you.
0: The dome Um, is a, like a 180 degree sphere, right? yeah like a planetarium Planetarium. yeah 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 those are cool i've been in a couple of those um let me see there's my see i have a friend that does a lot of really cool stuff um let me grab his name i'm sure you probably know him uh it's like a -A j-o-a-n-i-e um oh
1: yeah yeah yes i know his stuff yeah he's crazy
0: I don't know why I can't pronounce his name right now. It's a very French name. I think though.
1: I'm sure I get it wrong every time.
0: Yeah. Joanne. Joanne. I don't know. But yeah, he's awesome. He's super, super sweet guy too. We did a speaking event at the same time and now I got a chance to meet him, but he does a lot of lights and projections and like, like, uh, yeah, maybe that would be a, have you, I, I thought for sure you guys would have been friends or started working on something together. Cause yeah, that stuff is really interesting.
1: Yeah, his his work is like super inspiring. All the volumetric stuff is yeah. like crazy cuz he does all the real-time like gesture controlled stuff too and I think he and like uh NonoTalk are like some big ones in the installation world that I'm just like so into. I saw NonoTalk perform here in San Francisco last year and that was like life-changing. It was so intense. Maybe and uh, do you up. know their stuff?
0: Uh-uh, maybe. N-O-N-O-Talk?
1: Yeah. N O N O T A K. T A K. Yeah. It's like a duo. Um, I think the girl does most of the graphics and the guy does most of the audio synthesis stuff. Wow. Wow. This is cool. Yeah. They show up in like every client reference board I've ever gotten. I know. Related right? to installations. It's just like, oh yeah. Um, but like They gave a performance um, that was just like this. It's kind of like four screens set up in an X and then they project through it. Yeah, it's Yeah, you see that live. It's just like so intense, so strobey and crazy. And like, I think that's the kind of stuff I'd love to at some point be a part of. I think those are kind of like the dream projects for me is like making experiences that just like kick people's asses, you know, it's like compels you to, cause I, I feel like when I go to music performances, those often inspire me more than any visual experience does. Like if I see a good band performance, it just like, I have to make something as soon as I get home, even if it's like two in the morning, it's like, Oh, I need to make something. Mm -hmm. And so something like no, no talk, just like, Hits me on such another level because it's amazing visuals paired with like crazy audio design or uh, like seeing Rio G. Aikita. Do you know his stuff? Yes, yes, yes. Super yeah, good stuff. Dude, have have you seen him perform stuff live? I've never seen any of this kind of stuff live before. Oh, dude, it seems, it seems they, like it'd be really good to to experience though. So. <laughs> yeah, his stuff. Was so loud like it was mandatory to wear earplugs like you had to have those things in and they had it cranked so you could like feel the music it was like physically moving your body and just like his crazy high speed glitch stuff was so intense that was like yeah that was. It kind of felt like you were in some futuristic battle scene where there's just like laser equipment going off and shit. Like it was so intense, man. Wow. Sounds like a weird, like a bad trip or something. Oh, yeah. I would not want to be on acid in that <laughs> room. <laughs> that would be intense. Oh.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because it's like stimulus overload, I guess, huh? Oh, yeah. Maximalist. I, like, I it's so crazy. That's I should probably try because uh, that sounds horrible, so I should probably try it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my idea of, like, enjoyment is, like, going out into nature and just, like, sitting there and watching nature do its nature thing. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah. I love that, too. I guess that's a good balance. So, that's cool. It's no-no talk. I've never heard of them, but I, I've i seen references to this so many times, so that's cool. That's oh, yeah. they They have this thing yeah that's awesome
1: yeah the the female artist does um tattoos and i was trying to get a tattoo from her when i was in paris because uh i still haven't gotten one and i always told myself if i get a tattoo it's going to be by her because her tattoo art is so dope it's all crazy op art geometry and um yeah, one day it'll line up. She only like does it in Paris, I think, or like when they're on tour. So fingers crossed it'll line up.
0: Oh, yeah. Her tattoos
1: are crazy. Whoa. Yeah. It's like weird op art stuff. But Noemi? like is her name is Noemi, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't totally sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. But I guess that's where the No-No comes from and No-No talk. Wow. No, maybe the Noemi.
0: Wow, this is trippy. This is cool.
1: Wow, yeah. this is awesome
0: thank you for showing me this i it's like i feel like i see a lot of art and now I, like i love when i find things i've never heard of or seen but i like it's great oh this is super trippy yeah line, that's so cool i see this thing really excites me because it's like artists that's so this is so obscure and so niche but like obviously she's thriving in her space so it's like it's so great because it's like um there's a place for everybody you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. and she's finding a niche for herself, and and obviously she has talent, and but she has a totally like, I've seen this kind of t- tattoos, but like I haven't really seen this before. You know what I mean? Like I've seen bits and pieces, so it's really cool. Like, it's, yeah, it's very unique. It's like totally its own thing. Yeah. Wow, this is trippy. Well, this op art stuff is creeping, tri- tripping me out. I am looking <laughs> at it.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just love that it's like you see it in the Nono talk stuff. Like you can see her style there and it makes so much sense for like digital art. And then you see it in tattoo form and it's just like the same style translated into that. And it's like, it works so perfectly, but it takes on such a unique, uh, look when it's like on skin and like just curving around someone's arm. Uh, just like, I want one of those tattoos so bad.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, I wonder what, her life looks like through her eyes you know
1: (laughs) oh yeah just like seeing crazy patterns everywhere
0: yeah i wonder what's inspired this kind of art yeah super cool very trippy yeah very cool yeah it's very like um expressive in the weirdest of ways yeah Mm -hmm. oh this op art i gotta stop looking at it it's killing my head
1: (laughs) yeah have you seen uh bradley's mathographic stuff he's been doing that like Uh, trippy op art stuff is it on his site uh, he's been doing op
0: art stuff for a long time, though.
1: Yeah, I think he has it on like an Instagram thing called like Psy Monk now. He has um, another account. Oh yeah, he's he's multi accounts, man. Oh. <laughs> he's he's got his drone madness and Im, his Infra monks, and now he's got a Psy Monk. Oh okay. Yeah, monkey, Yeah, That's multiple monkeys, man.
0: Multiple monks. Yeah oh man okay i'll have to find it but yeah he's i mean he's been into this stuff for a long time yeah been doing like uh op art stuff yeah okay oh, i can't even see i have to find it uh it's Psymonk. okay there it is yeah i re- remember seeing some of this stuff it's really cool it's crazy because he's still holding off he's still holding out using uh, maya he's like still a Maya guy right isn't he
1: oh yeah it's so trippy to watch him work in that software, man. He's just like nerding on like subdivision counts and stuff like that. Such a but <laughs> like gets so into that stuff. But uh yeah, his his prints look beautiful, man. I always love seeing that op art stuff like printed on nice paper, large format. Um I'm still trying to get one from him. He's like one of the artists that i still haven't gotten a print from <laughs> yeah you think so because you guys are so close and you work together on so many things you think oh yeah <laughs> i'm i'm harassing him yeah. i'm gonna get one eventually <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: that's awesome and I, I really like that orbis integra stuff that you guys worked on together Super oh beautiful.
1: yeah it's just like it's like fidelity porn <laughs> oh dude the setup for that was so crazy like the Like, the camera, like, the Phantom with that, like, probe lens on it, and then it, like, it needed so much light to be able to shoot at that speed, so they had these, like, humongous lights that they tipped down, and then it would, like like running in there to like change, like to just dump oil on it or something, you'd just be getting burned. Like it felt like instant sunburn in there. And like, <laughs> he would just be laughing. He'd be on the other side of the curtain with his camera, just like talking shit and taking photos of us, like getting torched by these lights. And <laughs> <this>. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. But, Cause you have
0: to get a lot of light in there so that it can pick it up, basically receive it. Right. Cause it's yeah. Right, yeah. There was like a probe lens, so it's like one of those like super macro probe
1: lenses, I guess. Yeah, it made the it was like probably a foot or two extension like off the camera, and just yeah, it it was crazy, man. That camera setup was really cool to see, and it was just funny because they we took up like a giant like green screen studio space for these little tiny setups that are only like like a foot wide, you know, but it's this huge <laughs> like Hollywood production to like shoot <laughs> these little and then it's all slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's like one twenty is it looks like it's shooting one twenty. Uh maybe more mean, than that, huh? Yeah, I think it was more than that. And it you know, the stuff would happen in like half a second. It was like a little like bang on the speaker and then we'd watch it and it would be like a twenty minute clip of just like oil like flying in the air. And it's <laughs> weird trippy shit, you know? It's so
0: cool. So fun though. That's one thing that really hit me hard when I was starting to really get into this stuff as well. It's like the beauties that evolve and exist like all around us at all times. Like if I'm driving Mm -hmm. my car down the road and it's raining after like, I know it hasn't rained for a while. I'm just thinking of all the puddles I'm running through that have like incredible oil, like paintings that are Mm -hmm. happening like organically and randomly or like, yeah, just like inside my, pepsi or like inside my soda while the base is hitting it like the shapes that it's making you know like and that stuff is happening like it's it's basically like the world's best art that happens like before you like without us even really knowing that it's happening you know which to me is like ah it's so crazy wow this is like a huge production i didn't realize this was massive like
1: (laughs) oh it was crazy dude is so funny seeing that much set up for such a tiny little like Set up. Yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, it, that was a fun one, man. I'm always appreciative that Bradley brings me on for those jobs. And like, I get to see the weirdness happening and just like hang out with him and the and the crew. Him and I think Joe was shooting that one. He's like another autofuss like DP. It's autofuss crew, man okay yeah the squad
0: there was this one project that he had done with like cds when i saw it i was oh this is great like i was thinking i have like a an old ipod that broke and i have a bunch of like cds that i'll never use and i was like i'm just gonna burn them and make something out of them but when i mm-hmm. saw you did it, i was like oh well i guess you did it already so <laughs> <laughs> was, like, maybe i'll oh, try man. i'll try i have to just change it somehow but yeah it was what, Dude, which one's I, that one I,
1: called that one's really cool uh, that was for the game awards that that's happened to me so many times with your products too, man. I'm like, Ooh, I really want to do like, back, you know, man. some, yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I want to do like a, like, I want to do this tribute to like cowboy bebop and then you had like the uh the akira stuff come out i was like oh fuck well no now i gotta i gotta chill on it for a second don't want to do back-to-back like tribute to like dope anime and then uh now you're doing the star wars stuff and i saw you're modeling ships i was like (laughs) oh fuck i can't like go post and ship renders (laughs)
0: yeah you can do whatever you want man no like that's that's no i mean cowboy bebop i would love to see what you do with cowboy bebop i love that show so much that's like the first time i like i was like whoa, what's a corgi and i was like oh i want Corgi? Oh shit! <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I'm like a corgi addicted. I only follow like corgis on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah, they're little
1: loafs of bread,
0: dude. dude they do corgi con here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah bread butts, man. I, 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 we have a really cute dog, bit, so um, we're very blessed. But I would definitely want to have another dog eventually, and corgis up next. It's coming up. So <laughs> oh yeah,
1: great greyhounds are my spirit animal, man. Oh, I gotta, I gotta get a greyhound yeah. if I get a dog, but. Yeah. yeah greyhounds are definitely that's a unique dog super unique dog yeah i grew up around them oh, um it makes sense then yeah my family did like the rescue stuff where they rescue oh, them from the tracks that's so right.
0: yeah that's awesome yeah
1: that's yeah sweet. they're sweethearts man i love those dogs yeah. yeah this game
0: award thing is crazy like looking at how you guys put that together there was a, there there's the Game Award one. There was, I think was there, was there was like one where you had like burnt CDs and stuff. Is that the Game Award one?
1: No. Yeah. That was uh the twenty seventeen. I've done it three different years, so okay. it's kinda they're all a little different. Um I think on my site it's like the one it's like a bunch of lasers coming from behind the angel statue. Uh, As okay. the cover yes yes yeah then if you scroll down there's a bunch of yeah there it is yeah so cool yeah so wow. yeah i think i've fucked up my microwave uh doing that so
0: <laughs> oh you put them in your microwave
1: <laughs> yeah to get uh, the like the fractures and all stuff. the yeah the macro photos that are like way down at the bottom are oh. all like so cool. yeah if you if you microwave those things man they like go off like sparks shoot out of them and you get these crazy fractal patterns and yeah it's kind of crazy there's some people on youtube that like filmed it at some like 120 frames per second like some slow-mo stuff um wow and i think connor originally posted it to some chat we had it's like oh shit i need to try this
0: (laughs) 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 yeah and ruin 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 the microwave wow this is crazy yeah this is really cool this whole project, man, that's wild. Thanks, so beautiful, man. Yeah, it's super beautiful. Do you, so you love, you obviously love title sequences. What, what was there like a title sequence that you had seen early on that would kind of like spurned your interest into like getting into this or did this kind of evolve or being around Bradley? What was it?
1: Uh, Bradley definitely pushed it a lot, but I mean the, the one that did it all was, you know, seven. it's just mm-hmm. like, I saw that in school when it was like in a graphic de- history of graphic design class. Hmm. And, you know, I always liked the darker work. And I remember seeing that and being like, all right, the student's doing dark work and he's like in the history of graphic design book, like obviously you can do this and be successful. So that was like, I think the tipping point for me where I was just like, all right, I'm just going to embrace this like weird, dark techie look and just, you know, just be myself and see if it works out. And so since then, I think I always want to do weird, like dark practical effects, kind of multimedia stuff and titles. And then uh, when I first graduated and got to Autofus, I got there at like the perfect time because they were working on the off Cincinnati titles that Bradley was directing Mm -hmm. um and that was like every title was a practical effects reveal like everything's in camera um and he was like amazing because he was letting everybody direct their own reveal and like of course he was the overall like he'd have to approve everything and kind of guide everybody but um you know he let me pitch my concept and like work through one for Anton and Irene and I did like slow motion vacuum forming so it Mm kind of looks like latex forming over a set of type and remember that one yeah I think ever since then I just like always wanted to do more titles like just weird practical effects typography and like multimedia typography stuff um and I haven't done a lot of titles since then i've done a lot of like promos and stuff where there's like some type involved but i think the motion plus titles are like the first titles that i really like got to direct the whole thing and like that i consider like an a big title sequence other than like getting to work on the off ones awesome is
0: that kind of like something that Um, for the just the future if you could just do title sequences and kind of do installation arts and doing like the dome things is that kind of would you
1: feel like you'd be content and happy and fulfilled as an artist uh no (laughs) (laughs) I I knowing me man I just like the second I get to some comfort level it's like I get uncomfortable and anxious and I need to make something else so I just like set a new goal that I want to make and I mean by the time I got to making that stuff there'd be some other crazy like you know some other weird medium like augmented concert experiences or something like that where it's like okay there's this new huge you know goal that I want to get to and um, I feel like it's kind of nice having a few unattainable goals out there like stuff you're always kind of working towards. And in the back of your head, you know, you may never get to it, but it's always kind of driving you to see if you get opportunities to bring you to it. And I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm doing now, I feel like my dream jobs that have come up were things I never really thought of as dream jobs. They just happened. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I always wanted to be doing. And I didn't know it was, I didn't know it existed. So like a lot of bradley jobs have been like that i'm like oh what am i doing like in an underground location in london with drones with screens mounted them like flying around a dancer like what kind of job is this and it's Mm -hmm. totally a dream job for me but then i would never have thought of that you know being something that i do until i got there it was like wow i love this yeah
0: i like how you call it bradley jobs like it's like a coined
1: Thing. <laughs> dude there's bradley jobs yeah bradley yeah, yeah. jobs are they're fun very, jobs yeah yeah well, but he's an artist so much uh, so much iteration dude yeah. so many late nights but <laughs> it's it's the best i love those jobs man Well,
0: it comes with the cost it's got to be some sort of a cost to it you know so
1: <laughs> oh yeah just time <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man
0: more time i need more time
1: always dude that's why I liked uh you recommended that book um eat that frog oh yeah yeah game changer that was uh very helpful um I think the biggest thing for me in that book was being an optimist Mm. I'm so bad at being an optimist but um (laughs) I think that's helped me a lot just you know trying to look at what I can learn from a shitty situation and just like going straight into like all right I'm, I'm getting something from this rather than like dwelling on things that piss me off. And I think a lot of things, especially in design, sometimes piss me off, like with clients or, you know, just like seeing shitty stuff online or getting frustrated at trends and stuff where I can just like, <laughs> you know, I just dwell on it and it's so pointless. Like it's it just a waste trivial. of time. It's like yeah. getting mad
0: at the ocean yeah yeah, it just
1: doesn't <laughs> do anything for anybody
0: so it's good that you realize that yeah. it doesn't make it better It makes it actually worse when you realize it because you're just like damn i'm stupid damn i'm stupid i'm stupid <laughs> <laughs> but it's but yeah. it's good to recognize it because it could hinder your growth which is because if you want to elevate to the next level you have to like go beyond those thinking patterns i think at least i think that is i don't know I'm seeing a therapist now, which is helping me a lot kind of process mm. a lot of these like deeper, heavier things. Cause I don't want to be the person I am now. I want to be the person I want to become, you know? So, and it's, mm. it's I have to admit and accept that I have those same kind of f- flaws. I don't even call it flaws or just like f- ways of processing things like fretting about shit that just doesn't matter, you know? And yeah. uh, I mean, I guess it matters a little bit, but it doesn't like trends, like design trends, for example, it's like, well, there's no way to control those things and then who cares and just do it and make your work. It's a bummer when people bite you or rip you off. It's like, well, that's, it is what it is, but mm. you just got to keep moving, I guess, and just be thankful for being who you are. And and, and and I think it's for me, I mean, I know that you didn't mention this, but I think to bring that up as a topic of just having somebody mimic your work, is like no matter how many times they try to mimic you, you can, you'll always be a step ahead because your individual authenticity you know so like replacing those bad thoughts with like reassurances usually seems to help me out because i'm like oh okay well see ya yeah yeah
1: Yeah. i feel like so much of the rip-off stuff for me like that definitely frustrated me more when i was like having more of that uh like self-doubt as an artist like not being sure if i can make it with this career. And then like you see someone that copies your work and you think, Oh shit, they can just do the same thing. They might like start getting all the jobs and then all of a sudden like I'm out of work and I can't keep doing this. Um,
0: it's a legitimate concern.
1: Yeah. But I I think that stuff sort of started to fade a little more just, yeah. I think also as I started doing deeper process where I'm like, someone has to be a little, obsessive to like go through all this to get the same result. Maybe they'll find a quicker way to do it, like just all in after effects. But that's when that's when the process becomes coveted and it can actually
0: hinder your growth, I think, too, because then you're just like Mm -hmm. my precious, you know, like I'm just Yeah. It's just like my it's my thing, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. It's a tricky it's a tricky thing being an artist. I think it's so so tricky to figure out how to balance all those different moving pieces. But I think if you if there's a lesson probably that you would probably learn from working with Bradley is like just follow whatever it is that you're passionate about because like yeah, I mean, people will will gravitate towards it and, and jobs are possible. Because I when I look at his con, his career path, I go, wow, like so much of this is seems to be so unconventional, you know? So um but it, it all does kind of tie together and it works It's because it's part of his brand and it, I can see like that. It makes sense, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting stuff. So, but that's that's a lesson I get from him. It's like, just be yourself and be authentic, you know? And Oh yeah. Things come along, which is really great too. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of my favorite jobs have come from like personal projects that I was just being, as much myself as I could be. And, uh, you know, clients just, I think seeing that they see that that's your, like your true self coming out in your work. And they know if they ask you to do that again, it's gonna be good work. Cause you're just doing what you love. You're not like trying to imitate a style or imitate someone else's work.
0: Yeah. That's a tough one. It's a real tough one. I think it's also really tough because the return of, of content is so fast because we're consuming things so rapidly and like what we do is somewhat of a like a weird thing to the general public it's not like i guess like football or something like where you see the actions happening and it makes sense because you can see it transparently what we do is so weird because general public doesn't realize like Oh, like you have to actually sit and work at the computer that you don't just press buttons and then the thing happens. So it's like, Mm -hmm. because the way that the general public, I think, perceives what we do is almost like a magic trick. It's kind of hard. So like putting value to that and showing people like, yeah, it costs this much money because X, Y, and Z. It's like, that's a tough one. And artist value and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's it's all a part of the journey, I guess. And valuing that, I think is always like, Yeah. Those, those, but those books will help a lot, though. That those books help me out a lot, like becoming more of a business savvy person and considering my time and knowing when to say yes and no and how to push back and how to like work with things, you know. So, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I think uh, putting all my process on my site helped a lot with like interacting with clients too, because like when they ask about certain things or when people are asking what I do or how something like came about I can just open up that page and be like oh yeah you can see like all the variations I did and here's like what I got before I had to process it so I think people get a better sense of like all the stuff I have to go through before they get the final result so like in part it's fun to share with other artists but also it helps inform clients or people who just don't understand our process to like actually see all the variations and like weird shit the project has to go through before it becomes the clean sparkly thing at the end
0: yeah it's a smart way to do it because you're educating through the process of showing process so you can show like how much work does go into these things and that's good yeah i agree and your way of presenting your stuff is really great too like it's so important to have online presence i talked with this with bradley a bit about the importance of websites because like ever since i've known mm-hmm. him we've been talking a lot about like how to present ourselves and presentation and like this is back like in cargo collective he still uses cargo collective i think but i've since jumped yeah. like th- through five different platforms and now i'm using Simplis, which i really like mm. but like we were talking about like is the importance of having your website as important as it was back then and i really don't think so but it's it's important to us the curators of our art um, rather than it is to the because like, you can probably get as many jobs or whatever off of just showing your work on Instagram, I would imagine if you do it right and you're really smart about it, I think, you know, it oh, makes yeah. sense, you know, so, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's kind of a complicated, complicated thing. Um, it's a it's a conundrum that happens and it's like, where is it all going? Like, cause I look at Bee hands, I don't know. I've never been hired off of a, a job from Bee hands that I can know, yeah. of, but it's, it's almost like a design circle jerk you know
1: mm. yeah there's a lot of like getting added to like the mo section or getting like a trophy in the ae thing Which yeah. is cool it's adorations and it's gamifying the experience of showing your work online so i get that it's
0: mm-hmm. just i don't know i'm always like maybe I it is my pessimistic view but i'm just trying to be like least common denominator what is this and what is it doing and how is it working and what is it doing for me and how am i getting it to work with what i'm doing you know so it's like a yeah it's a complicated dance so so but yeah. what are your thoughts on that cuz you you obviously put time into your website and it's obviously important for you to share what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it so what's your thoughts on it
1: um it would be really hard to share the amount of process i have on my site on i mean i could on behance but like instagram and all that stuff like i'd be posting like way too much if, uh, I was trying to like share process or like organize it in any sort of way. Mm -hmm. So I think my site is like really helpful for my style of work where I am doing a lot of multimedia processing and I want to break down each section kind of thematically and like show the stages of how this thing came together. Um, and it's nice, you know, when someone asks about your work to be able to send them to like, your website that has like info about you. It has like your real and all the like old archive projects. Um, I was always really inspired by Bradley's site because he still has like stuff from like forever ago. He still has that like weird flash thing. Like she, she dumped me for a roofer or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so he still has stuff that is like not really representative of what he makes now, but uh, it was really inspiring for me just coming out of school to be like, oh, wow, that's where he started and this is where he is now. Yeah. Um. So, like, I keep a bunch of my stuff in, like, an archive page that's just, like, all my schoolwork and, like, the first piece I made in high school, that was, like, my first, like, I guess, professional piece of art. Um. But in terms of, like... Social media presence I think Instagram is definitely the only one I really use. I'm not like super. I wish I could just delete my Facebook, but I need it for like my band Cuz we that's how you like share band events or whatever, but yeah yeah, Instagram is like that just changed the game for me socially cuz um, I'm not like a crazy social person mm-hmm. like I'm friendly i like hanging out and like meeting people but like I don't go to a ton of social events so Instagram is amazing because so many artists will like, you know, respond to your story or like say something nice on your work and like you can just start connecting with people. And then I get to go to a conference or something and finally meet them in person and already have like a conversation generated through Instagram. Mm. Um, I haven't had a lot of jobs necessarily come through Instagram. I have a lot of, uh, a lot of VJs that reach out, which I've mixed feelings on. Sometimes it's dope. It's like cool artists. Sometimes it's like, just, I'm like, I don't think you're going to pay me. Uh, so I'm just going (laughs) to say I'm booked and be nice. But like, yeah, yeah. I haven't had any like crazy gigs come from like, yo, we saw your Instagram. Um, but I, I mean, I've hired people, I
0: guess, huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like I found Min Chi through Instagram and had her work on the Game Awards with me for last year. And that was just like I went like the motion designers community thing. Like I saw some of her gas mask people on there. I was like, well, OK, I love this person's style. I should hit them up. And like, you know, working with her was amazing. So it's awesome. Yeah. Same. I've like met people through it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. That's one thing I love about it it's being able to connect with people and, and sharing. And like, I think it's much stronger than say like obviously Facebook, Facebook, it's so funny, like how we used to use these things and it's almost like we're treating them like exes or something like they're like, you're dead to me and I hate it. I want to remove you from my, <laughs> my contacts, you know, but, but like I, you know, Instagram will eventually run its course cause they all do cause they get bloated on their power and then like, and mm-hmm. they implode on themselves. And that's just kind of how it goes it's just a congregation of information exchange, which is really cool. That's all that matters. So, and the algorithm is actually really good. So, but it's very addicting and very hyper aware of it. So I just kind of keep it at bay and I try not to use it too much, but, but for a yeah. tool for discovery and exposure and also at the same time, it's like talking with other artists and stuff. It's really great. It's such a great place to have. So it's like, but that's the thing. It's like, it's so much more dynamic than a website. You know what I mean? Like, when I first started it was like almost like I guess I'm aging myself but it's like 8 years ago or like 9 years ago now like um it was like websites were the jam and everybody wanted to work at a studio or start a studio now it's like mm. well let's all just be freelance and like help one another and like hire one another you know and then we communicate mm. and, and and connect through like we just work remotely you know so for me the future is like all about like it's all about the remote work it's all about connecting via remote style you know like and then congregating and like splitting up the the wealth basically, you know, and divvying out yeah. the responsibilities and divv- divvying out the re- the wealth and move forward, you know. So, yeah, it's an interesting time.
1: Yeah, yeah. that actually, uh, when you're asking about like dream future things, you know, like dream projects, I think a big dream thing for me kind of relating to that whole like remote artists and like the future of freelance and all that is, um, I'm hoping at some point I can move somewhere cheaper like up to Portland or something mm-hmm. cuz I I've always wanted to have like a like a co-working space with a bunch of other freelancers yeah. where it's like you go in on like a laser cutter, you like share cameras, you just like load all your gear into like a dope space and it's not like a studio no one like owns the space and like runs everybody's jobs but at least you know, you can be a freelancer and be around a bunch of other inspiring people that are doing their own work. And so you get the luxury of like kind of coming in on your own hours and like doing the work when it needs to be done. But you also get to be around people because I miss that so much, man. Like working from home is amazing, but Mm -hmm. like not having other artists around can be kind of like a little, little rugged. You know, I miss the like, (laughs) just being able to walk around see what someone else is making be like oh wow that's dope like what did you use to like build that thing and then like getting in a conversation or just like even just a small like you know what kind of personal projects are you working on and just like seeing what people are up to and I mean doing it digitally is great but it it definitely doesn't feel the same so I'm hoping at some point I could do that like start a like a studio but without the whole studio structure it's just like a cool space to work together and share tools and probably share jobs too you know like if i had dope artists sitting right behind me just turn around and be like hey you want to work on this thing with me and you know divvy up the budget I'll so f- venmo use some cash monies yeah yeah <laughs> that's the future man it really is i really strongly believe in that
0: for artists and people like ourselves that's the future so and it's gonna break the agency route. It's gonna break all these things, and you know, bigger corporations and companies are gonna start working more directly with individuals and stuff too. So it's just, it's, mm. it's just a matter of time. It's just kind of how it works. So it's, a, it's a very exciting time. Something I'm really stoked on. I have to get going now. I'm getting summer all over the place. My phone's blowing up, so I have to run. Um, oh yeah, yeah Let's went, get into that hour. Yeah, I went a bit over, but that's totally fine. It was so awesome to get have you on the show it's really great to get to know you a bit more and get to know about what you're interested in. So, um, yeah, super stoked you came on and yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah. It's an honor, man. Thanks for having me. Very welcome.
0: Keep inspiring, go make some awesome stuff. And, um, yeah. All right, everybody, there you have it. That's going to be episode 210. Big thank yous to Peter for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. Be sure to check out The Collective Podcast store at thecollectivepodcast.com slash store. you want to get some super sweet, swaggy swag, um, don't wait till Christmas, and uh, look good. Get out there and be awesome. Um, that's going to be it for this week. You guys hope you guys are all doing very well, happy and healthy, and all your families is doing great. This is going to be uh, another powerful week for you all, so have a good one. Be Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everybody.